Hey everyone, it's Heather. I'm so excited about our new resource for single women, Authentically You. One of the most challenging parts of life is navigating relationships. This can be especially true for women who have been tainted by negative sexual experiences and mistakes from their past, or when the struggle with porn and masturbation takes hold and won't let go. This leaves them feeling distant from God, separated by the weight of shame and regret. If this is you, you're not alone. Authentically You was written specifically for single and college-aged women, those who are on the working career path and those who are in college. This 20-lesson curriculum is easily adaptable to a busy work schedule or a college semester system. Through this group experience, you'll explore how your past pain and trauma contribute to distorted beliefs and an unhealthy thought life. You'll uncover the role your family of origin plays in your past and current behaviors and address the issues that perpetuate compulsive and addictive patterns. And through the use of weekly exercises, strategic tools, and self-care focus, you'll learn how to live in health, how to live as your true, authentic self. I know God has a plan for your life to bring you to a place of health and wholeness. If you allow it, God will do amazing things in you and through you. So pre-order today, Authentically You. Go to puredesire.org A-Y. That's puredesire.org A-Y. You're listening to the Pure Desire Podcast, your safe place to find hope, healing, and freedom from sexual addiction, betrayal, and relationship issues. Good morning, Pure Desire Nation. I am your host, Trevor Windsor, and you are listening to episode 138 of the Pure Desire Podcast. Here joining me, as always, my co-host, Nick Stumbo. Change, change, change. <laughs> I just like I don't even know what to say. Did, did you, you got that one? I I think I do. I think I do. But I'm I'm gonna let you. Explain. Are the original lyrics Chang or Chain? Well, depending on if you haven't had lunch yet, I'm sure it could be Chang's 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 because <laughs> uh, that's Mongolian Grill is my place. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, so I have no, this. What's your guess? Is it Chang or Chain? Because actually, that's a really common one people mess up. A change? It's well, no, it's Chain. Oh, like okay. Aretha Franklin originally Good. sang chain, 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 but a lot of people think it's chang, 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 and it's just ah, got it. Uh, so then I just added the e and made it change because we're here to talk about we are change. <laughs> we don't video record our intros. Best I wish intro we did ever. Oh, okay, so um, <laughs> so okay, so listener, we're not even gonna press in yet to even what we talked about today. But for me, I just get this vision. This is episode 138. I was I was thinking about it yesterday. Like, man, we're gonna get to 200, and then we're gonna get to 300, and then we're gonna get to four. We're gonna get to 500 episodes. Like, we're, we're going. I'm. What was that one politician? You said like a million. Yeah, a while right. Back. I'm like, right. We're, we're going like to Oregon. 99. We're going to Washington. That guy. We're going to a thousand. That was effectively the end of his campaign, <laughs> if you recall. Oh my gosh, one of the greatest sound bites of like the political world. Yeah. Um, so good, but. Uh, good luck, basically, is where I'm headed with coming up with that many intros. It's becoming a unique challenge, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that you have created for yourself. Yes. Uh, which... Maybe at like one of those hallmark <laughs> moments, like at 200, will like put that to death, or by then I'll have one that I'm just like, this is my phrase now. You just literally like killed the soul of all of our listeners uh, by saying hey, you want to stop. it's still 62 episodes away, okay. so we'll see. All right. We'll see fair. where I'm at. That's fair. That's if over you, a year away. If you have better ideas, you can email nicks at puredesires.org. Okay, a couple quick things, then we'll get into today's episode. 
Uh, first, if you are not subscribed to the podcast, do it. Don't wait any longer. Your life too can be changed. Uh, you can find us on all major platforms. Give us a review. It helps other people find the podcast. And then also follow us on social media. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Pure Desire PDMI is our name. And then if you like to consume video content, we have some of the episodes up on YouTube. Just search Pure Desire Ministries. Okay, so today we're wrapping up week four of our infamous group members series, and we talked about the slacker today. Yes, there are probably, in truth, there are more than four infamous group members. We could go on and on, <laughs> but I, I think we chose to focus on the maybe the most common ones we see. And and this, uh, I think this one's unique because probably at one point or another, all of us could say, I've struggled to do, do my work. Mm -hmm. Could be a season of life we're in, yep. or just kind of losing some focus, or... Uh, not being very disciplined, uh, and that could be even as the leader. Mm -hmm. I know there are seasons where, like, I have not really been doing my work, and man, I'm a bad example. And <laughs> so I think in this episode, there's just a lot of tips and ideas and thoughts that we give towards it. And, and also, if, if, you're not in a, if you're not even in a group yet, the other thing I love about our conversation today is I think it will help you analyze maybe why sometimes you don't want to face these things, because mm -hmm. we do talk a lot about just the natural avoidance that goes on in our thinking when it comes to things that are painful, difficult, challenging. Yep. Um, so I, I hope every listener can find some encouragement how to face things we don't feel like facing. Yep. And we sat down with Dan Howie, our online groups administrator, to talk about the slacker. Enjoy the episode. Dan, you're becoming a regular on the show. We're glad to have you. New shirt. Yep. It's looking good. I got a new shirt. It's new yellow. Shirt alert. Maybe it's my guardrail shirt. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's oh my gosh. Is that uh, is that that's too much? all the Pure Desire group pure members oh, yeah. are just like, like murr, 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 murr. That's yeah. terrible joke. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, uh, many of you listening or watching this have either heard or experienced a Pure Desire group, been involved in one, whether it's online or at a local church. So Pure Desire groups really just continue to meet weekly to try to help people create health in their life in the area of their sexuality. And as we have heard, seen, and experienced ourselves as group members, leaders, people who have helped facilitate, uh, we have difficult or infamous group members, as we'll call them. Uh, and you guys have heard the joke, right? That if you're not this, if you don't see the infamous group member, then you are you that infamous group are. member, right? Uh, which insert another wah, wah, terrible joke. But mm -hmm. today we want to talk about the last one. We're wrapping up this four-week series, and we are talking about the infamous group member, the slacker. The slacker. Which, Dan, there's a reason why we had you on today's I episode. I am the slacker. Where are we? <laughs> That's didn't, right. I didn't have okay, a chance so, to look it over. Uh, let's just jump in. Um, we hear a lot because there is work involved in our uh, our groups. So we have our group resources and there's a lot of work that's involved. Um, so people, especially when they're struggling with sexual addiction, or the effects of sexual addiction, we hear the word homework or work, and that immediately puts us into this performance-based per performance mode. And it makes it really difficult to actually do the work or the homework for a group. So right. why do you guys think this is such an issue for so many people? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's hard. Because <laughs> right. nobody likes to do homework. Um, I know that we're asking people to, like you said, not perform but but like do something healing and and I think I think guys are really good at doing things but we're asking them to do something emotional mm. and 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 that's hard I mean yeah. a, you know a performance mode is just a surface level exercise to complete a task mm. uh, but actual homework we're asking you to change something and honestly we've been working very hard to not change something so we're literally asking you to do something 
you haven't wanted to do for right. most likely decades. Yeah. So just kind of put you a little bit behind the eight ball there. Yeah. Well, and I find for so many, I mean, I'll speak from my experience, it's guys in group, but this could happen for gals as well. That when they get into group, it's often the first work homework they've done since they were in school. Yeah. And so it's hard yeah. for them not to go back and feel yeah. like, um, how do I measure up? Mm-hmm. What's the grade going to be? Mm-hmm. What if I do my work and it's not very good right. or it's not as good as what other I was people ugly did. in high school. I and, don't like that season of life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And for actually a, a fair number of people I've done group with, there is some trauma in their story mm-hmm. of being in school, whether feeling yeah. like they were ridiculed for not being able to read or having dyslexia issues or feeling like yeah. people made fun of them because they were the low score on you know grades that got posted. There's there's all kinds of things that happen in that school environment that communicate the message to yeah. us of not good enough. And I think when we hear work or homework, that fear of it will not be good enough or I, I can't perform well comes. And I, I've tried to talk people through that to remind them there's no grade. Um, you don't turn in the homework, uh, mm-hmm. that we're not here to compare traumas, that really, uh, and I've even jokingly said, just it, if it's helpful, think of this as an opportunity for self-assessment. There you mm-hmm. go. That these are just self-assessment exercises. It's yep. not homework. Um, but there, there's just that reality of we tell people in a chapter, you're going to read a few pages and answer some questions. It's like, oh my gosh, this feels like high school English right. class. Well, and I had to say it out loud letters. in yeah. front of people. Yeah. yeah, right. That's the mindset we're trying to help people break out of so that they see this This work is really about improving themselves. Yeah. I think that growing up for me, growing up in the church and Christian culture, in a lot of ways, and we see this, we've talked about a lot on the podcast, is we're taught the do this, don't do this approach mm-hmm. to so many things. Yeah. And for guys and gals who are walking into this, we've done that. We have tried the don't do this, mm-hmm. avoid, snap the rubber band, walk away, divert your eyes, whatever. And then we've also tried the let's read more, let's pray more, let's go to church every single day for multiple mm-hmm. hours, like get rid of our TV. We've done all these things and it hasn't worked. And so when we walk into a group where you're given more things to do or more exercises to go through, it's like, well, been there, done that, and this doesn't work. When in reality, it's actually the type of work that you've been trying to do is different. Yeah. And that's what you're talking about. You're pressing into emotions. Right. You're pressing into your trauma. And that's really difficult. But mm-hmm. I think that we're this like, do this, don't do this, black and white culture. And we kind of bring that into it. In a lot of ways, that trips us up. Yeah. One, another thing about that culture is that it's really immersed in don't think about the bad things in your life. Right. Yep. That we mm-hmm. kind of say, if, if there's bad stuff, yeah. you you surrender it, you leave it in, you know, the past is in the past, right. and, and I'm we're looking ahead, we're looking towards heaven, which, which is all great and <laughs> right. true, but I think the reality for so many Christ followers or that grew up in that kind of an environment is we've never dealt or processed the stuff in our past that's still tripping us up. Yeah. So when we go and say, well, okay, you got to do work every week, it's basically telling someone, you need to look at all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You need to look at that garbage. And I think any one of us would be lying to ourselves if we didn't say there's a piece of us that doesn't want to do that. We don't yeah. want to look at the crud. We just yeah. we want to focus on the happy, the positive. But if we don't look at it, we can't deal with the impact it's yeah. having on us. So we're, we're trying to help people process why maybe you feel that. Maybe that's just the message you've been hearing yep. since you were young. Yeah, sure. absolutely. So, uh, and this may go without saying, but doing your work in group is really important. But let's talk that out. Why is doing work each week so important for your participation in group? Uh, So I had a counselor of mine who happens to be a counselor from here say, give me something that was really helpful. He said, there's no neutral days. Like you're either moving towards uh, restoration and healing or you're moving towards relapse. Mm. And for me, that meant getting involved. And I think that goes the same 
Same way for group. Getting consistent with just doing homework helps me get towards healing, not towards relapse. Because it's really, like we were just talking about, we haven't done, maybe done work for a long time or done something hard outside of work hours for a very long time. Right. And now we're like, now I'm supposed to give up something else yeah. to go and and feel crappy again? Yeah. Lousy? I don't yeah. know. It, that kind of sucks. Yeah, I think um, I Heather Kolb, who's on staff with us, has said this multiple times, and it, it's, you know, research suggests that this is true, that, that we carry our trauma, we carry our family and our experiences with us in mm-hmm. our brain. And so... Uh, we've already talked about this a little bit, but that idea of pressing into those things and revisiting those, like think of your trauma as a crime scene, like a brutal crime scene. Mm -hmm. You don't want to revisit those. Like you try to avoid those, move away from those. Let's just move on. Mm -hmm. And in reality, the work that, why it's so important is your healing is actually through that. And I love, and I'll probably quote Jay Stringer later, but um, our friend Jay Stringer talks about this a lot too, that it's actually through your trauma and through the difficult experiences that freedom is on the other side. And so that idea of you have to dive back in to the worst parts of your mm-hmm. life, which is not fun, but that allows you to then reclaim what happened. And yeah. we just, um, I've, I've been having some conversations and and Drew Boa is a guy um, that recently said this idea, um, he said that the, the idea is to reparent yourself. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was fascinating. Like, mm. that's such an interesting idea. But you're going back to these really difficult moments in your life, and you're actually speaking to that. So for me, that 13-year-old Trevor who had that traumatic experience on the baseball field, I can say, look, man, it's okay that this happened. Here's what's true. And try to mm-hmm. remind So reparenting yourself. Drew's a really smart guy, uh, smarter than I am, and so I'm thankful that guys like that can come <laughs> up with it. But I just think that that's such a a, a powerful experience, and we can go back and reclaim those mm-hmm. those areas of life and reuse them for the health that we're now setting. Yeah. Well, another analogy that comes to mind for me is that of a car. And when you show up at group each week, it is kind of like putting fuel in the car. It's oil in the engine, and yeah. it can be motivational. There's other people. You're hearing stories. But if, if there's something wrong with the engine, yep. you can't just keep adding gas and oil and hope it's going to get better. Like <laughs> if you've actually got to pop the hood and know what you're looking for. I may have tried that. I've I tried just, that a couple yeah, times. I just needs more <laughs> gas, more gas. But a lot of Christian Bible studies are kind of like that. Like we right. just show up once a week, we add some gas to the tank oh, and run good. for another week that's and come good. back. Yeah. Tank's on low, fill it back up. Yeah. But the reason we've gotten stuck in addictive behaviors or damaging relationships or you know whatever prompted us to be in a pure desire group mm-hmm. is because there's something amiss in the engine and doing your work is about popping up the hood and figuring out okay what's really going on here and just like if you're analyzing an engine not every single lesson is going to get to the core of your problem right. but if you don't go through those lessons you won't get to what is the core yep. because you'll just yeah. you'll miss where it might be at because i don't right. think when you start you don't know exactly where the problems are at because otherwise you would have fixed them. Um, And so you need kind of this thorough process that step-by-step takes you through. And some weeks you'll be like, well, I did my work. That was okay. And other weeks you'll be like, holy cow, how have I never seen this before? But that only comes when you're doing the work week in and week out. I anticipate the emails I'll get when I say this. Um, I am not a car guy. And so I just... Disclaimer, okay? <laughs> um, but I know that there are things that you actually have to take certain pieces of the car out in order to get to other pieces. Mm-hmm. So to, to push yes. into that analogy more. And so, uh, again, not a car guy. I have no idea what I'm yeah. talking about. But I know you've had to take some things out <laughs> in order to get under the surface. And I think that that's yeah. what this res- these resources do, is they allow you to take those, get them out of the way to finally see, oh, wow, there's the problem yeah. the whole time. Yeah, It builds on itself, This, like you were saying, week after week. And if we don't uh, participate, if we're not doing it, we're, we're all learning a new language. 
You know, we all, I mean, how many top, how many times do you talk about a commitment to change outside of, uh, coming into pure desire. Right. Or use the word arousal. Arousal. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Template and anything other than, you know, an email. Yeah. Um, but if we don't, if we're not familiarizing ourselves with the, with the material, with the, Mm -hmm. with the process and some guy, you know, throws out something about his, you know, his arousal template and I haven't done the work. I'm like, wait, what do you say? I I don't have anything to add. Yeah. And I'm maybe not understanding, um, where we're at. So, so let's, so we kind of identify the importance of doing group for the individual. uh, And we see that it negatively impacts the group if people aren't doing their work. So let's talk about that. Why or how does it negatively impact the group? Well, how many times have, as a leader, have you gotten the, uh, the call? Can you, can we meet for like 15 minutes before group? And you're like, this, he's not bringing me pizza. I know that much. <laughs> or coffee. Or coffee. Or anything. You know it's going to be. And I will say at least 60, 70% of the time, it's a like, hey, uh, you know, Steve over there, he doesn't come prepared. Mm. And I just I just don't feel safe. Yeah. You know? Yep. There's got camaraderie and a trust that's built by everyone doing the same thing. Yep. The military is, you know, probably I'm I did one year of ROTC, so that's my military experience. Uh, but I do that's know good. that they just pounded into like everybody does everything. It yep. doesn't matter. You're you're doing it, whether you're the best or the worst at it, you're all doing it together. And mm. it and it really does. It builds that camaraderie and that, yep. that trust and you're better as a as a group than an individual, which is one of the premises of pure desire, obviously. Totally. So, well, and I'll be frank that when people in a group aren't doing their work, it creates suspicion of like, I don't think they're doing very well, mm, or maybe yeah. they're trying to hide something, yeah. or they're not processing Good. yet. Or and and fair or not, it's it's just that attitude in the group where people start to wonder what's up because you're just you're not being forthright and being a full participant. Yep. So. If you want to avoid having people look at you like that, and even yeah. if they don't mean to, I just I think there's some basic human response of like, well, what don't they want us to know? Mm-hmm. And and so and that on the flip side, that may be a reality that you've read the work and you're kind of like, I think I know what doors I'd have to open, and I don't know if I want to go there. And mm-hmm. so you find reasons to put it off for the week to not sure. get around to it, and yep. then ten minutes before group, you look at it again and. I really don't want to answer those questions. And, yeah. and so I would just encourage a listener like if you're there. Don't try to hide behind that. Be honest with your group. Show up and say, you know, I I want you to know I didn't do my work this week. And I would like to say I didn't have time. But right. the truth is, these are really hard questions. And I'm afraid of what I might have to say. And I, I just couldn't get there yet. But would you be patient with me? Because I'm committed to doing the work like yeah. the group. And, right. and I'm realizing I didn't want to go here. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think I need to. So... Yeah. I think owning it would actually be better for your group than acting like, oh, I just was so busy. Because that's what we hear at least in group time. <laughs> right. It was just such a busy week. Like, mm-hmm. really, in seven 24-hour days, you didn't have one hour to sit down. <laughs> I mean, let's, that I'm just so busy is, it's, it's not a valid reason to not yeah. do the work. And so yeah. I, I think we just need to own that and be honest with our group if that's happening. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, just as you're saying that, I'm thinking, like, so you're saying that you're too busy to save your marriage or to create a healthy culture in your family mm-hmm. or be a good, you know, father or mother. Like there's just so many, so many things that are going to be impacted by that. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, and I've 
I feel like a broken record. I've said this so many times in this podcast that I got almost more out of someone else's answer and their work than I did my own. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's very Where true. somebody says something about their experience or their story or the way that yeah. they think or act, and it connects a dot for me that I didn't know yeah. was there. And I'm like, ah, oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. thanks, man, for sharing that because now I, yeah. you know, and I'm like sitting over there writing in my workbook, like, oh, okay, right, right. Can you say that again? Right, yeah. like writing it down. <laughs> What'd you say? Um, so for me, I think that if I'm not doing my work, I'm not only negatively impacting my own health and my recovery journey, but I'm also potentially negatively impacting someone else's recovery journey as well. Because Mm -hmm. if what I have to say benefits you and what you have to say benefits me, then my lack of work is really going to hurt the group overall. For sure. All right. So uh, for many people, we know, especially for addicts, having rules and regulations isn't easy. (laughs) How do we wrap our heads around having to work every single week? wrap the head. Oh my gosh. You know, I think it's important for us to recognize we all sacrifice for something in our lives. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have have self-imposed rules or regulations for Mm -hmm. things we care about or are passionate about. And we didn't didn't have to have someone else tell us to do it because we had a vision for why that was important. And so I think like in my own life, there are times where I've gotten up at 5 a.m. to run in the dark and the rain and the cold, you know, for like 10 miles. And it is. Like you say, well, that... For a lot of people, that would be silly. But I had a goal in mind Mm -hmm. of a time I wanted to run in a marathon, and I believed that's what it took to get there. And Mm -hmm. so I made lifestyle changes that impacted everything I did around that passion and that goal. And and it's fine if running's not your passion, but I wouldn't say in your life you've got something. Mm -hmm. So I talk to guys that have, Mm -hmm. they have scraped and saved to buy that hunting rifle and to get that week (laughs) off to go hunting in Montana and (laughs) take time off work. And like, there is tons of self-discipline and rules and regulations you put on yourself. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's, you know, for women to get that girl's weekend or, you know, to buy something for their house or we've created rather strict discipline so we can get something. But in those areas, we didn't think of it as rules and regulations. It was just what we were passionate about. And so that might be uh, the helpful key in this to to really know the vision of why you're working towards what you're working towards. Mm -hmm. Is it to save your marriage? Is it a healthier version of yourself? Is it to really find freedom and joy and not have that issue in your life anymore? And if you can remind yourself the stuff I'm doing is to get there. Mm-hmm. It's not just about, I got to do my homework, got to yep. do my faster mm-hmm. scale, got, you know, yep. now it does become a burden, but it's like, no, I, I want to have a marriage that lasts. Right. Well, then I'm, I'm willing to do it. And if it means maybe I had to get up at 5 a.m. Yep. to do my homework one yep. week, I could do it because I say that's what it's going to take to to save my marriage, to fix my issues, to find freedom. Um, and, and maybe that's the other thing, just to kind of wrap this idea up is if we're really struggling to do the work, maybe we haven't embraced that that's what it takes. Yeah. That there's yeah. a part of us still going, no, I can fix this on my own. Yeah. I don't need to do the work everybody else does. My problems aren't quote unquote that bad. Yeah. I've got this mm-hmm. figured out. And right. sometimes we have to pause and go, there's a lot of delusion in that and yeah. self-rationalization and denial where we just got to say, if, if others have said, this is what it takes, mm-hmm. I'm just going to embrace this is what it takes. Yeah. And um, and then we can, I think, put the effort in that it takes to really get the work done. Yeah. Um, I've been, over the last few months, really pressing into like spiritual disciplines. And one of the... Um, one of the, and that's, you know, structure and regulations to, to how I grow spiritually. And one of the um, analogies or illustrations that I continue to run into over and over is a trellis and a vine. 
And so if, um, if you want vines to grow and grow in the right direction, you actually have to have a trellis or structure in place that mm-hmm. allows it to grow in the right direction. And um, another one that's just coming to mind now, like, and I've been using this in some conversations, that if you're building a rocket ship, you've got scaffolding around it so that you can build it and put mm-hmm. it together. Like, yeah. so what you're doing with these rules and regulations is you're creating structure that actually enables you to grow in the right direction. So the irony too is that these are not oppressive. These are things that you personally are placing in your life mm-hmm. for your growth. And your growth is gonna have all this benefit and all this blessing, not only for you, for the, but also for the people around you. And so you're doing work to create, it almost feels like, am I wasting my time by creating this structure? But in reality, if you create the structure, the rules, the regulations, the trellis, then your vine can grow in the right direction or the direction you wanna go. Yeah, for, for me, and I, I think you touched on it, it was literally, I know where I don't wanna be, and I, they're telling me, that this is what I have to do right? and I don't want to do it or it's not comfortable. And I literally, this someone, there's a line that says surrender to the process, which is like kind of confusing when your head's foggy from, you know. <laughs> sure. But literally that word surrender to, those words surrender to the process made a world of difference to me. Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't have to figure it out. Right. I just have to trust that this mm-hmm. has worked for how many years on how many, right. for how many men. Right. If I just do this, I have a good shot. Yep. And and that made a lot of difference. Took the pressure off me. Um, I have to figure it out. Just do what they said, mm-hmm. and not check off the boxes, but just go with go with the program. No. Something that uh, I was thinking about too, uh, and I've heard. I, I'm not going to quote the exact percentage, but Jay Stringer in his book Unwanted um, found that specifically men who struggled with a lack of purpose. Mm-hmm or direction in life had a higher percentage of struggling in this area. Seven times more. Wow. It's incredible. Like it's incredible. And so this for the, for many people may be the first time they feel like they have purpose, mm-hmm. or they have a direction in life. And I think that that totally is super scary when you're standing at the bottom of a mountain and you want to, you know, go all the way to the peak. It's scary, yeah. but you also understand that you've got a place to go. You can see where you're headed. And I think <laughs> that for so many men and women, especially in this area, it's important to understand that direction creates purpose mm-hmm. and purpose really creates action when we push into it. Yep. Just like Batman's utility belt, we all need tools to help us create sobriety and maintain health over the long haul. One of the first and simplest tools to implement is accountability software. Yeah, absolutely. One of the challenges we face in today's internet age is never before has access to you know explicit material been easier, faster, more prevalent, and really it's it's a form of arrogance, if I could even say that way, to think we don't need help. Right. Uh, in our faster scales that we do in group check-ins, step one involves overconfidence, and I think if we feel like, oh, I'm fine, I can navigate this now, there's some overconfidence that comes, and so. Part of everyone's healing journey we really feel is that accountability software because it creates that continual feeling for you that the internet is not a place I go alone, that I'm actually there with friends who I can be accountable to and I I can use the internet for healthy things because it has tons of benefits and we want to use the internet well, but the best way I know to guard against all the dark corners that we can get pulled into is knowing if I go there, my friends are going to see it too. And that's why accountability software is vital for anyone's recovery journey. Yeah, and we have three options that we uh, really suggest and we hope that you consider. 
And really it's one of those things too where we offer these different options because uh, different options offer different benefits that maybe work best for you and your community. The three options are Covenant Eyes, Ever Accountable, and Accountable to You. For Covenant Eyes, if you go to covenanteyes.com slash puredesire or you enter the promo code puredesire, uh, you will get one month free and it also gives us a little bit of a kickback as a ministry. Uh, Covenant Eyes is $11.99 per month. And again, you get that first month free. The second one is Ever Accountable. You go to everaccountable.com slash puredesire. You can sign up. That is $6.99 a month. And then there's Accountable to You. Accountable, the number two, and then you.com. So that's Accountable, the number two, you.com. Use the code puredesire. You'll get some benefits there as well. And again, guys, we would just say that this is one of the most helpful tools to have in your belt. So we hope that you can center accountability software. So what if, and we, you know, we joked about this at the beginning, but what if we are the one who's struggling <laughs> and maybe we're even the leader because we've done the work before and so we're like, ah, oh, I've done all this. And, and we realize we're kind of slacking. We're not bringing the effort to the group we should be. How do we improve or make changes in this area? There is this little thing, um, you may have heard of it. It's called a commitment to change. Mm-hmm. And that <laughs> seems like, I don't know, I've had to literally use that to do my work before. It's like, I will make sure that I do it because it gives me a schedule. Yeah. It makes me accountable to mm-hmm. it. If I'm doing it right, I'm going right. to plan out what I'm doing. I'm going to check in with people on how right. I'm doing it. Um, it's really practical. Um, making sure that I make my calls so that I am accountable to, to doing it. I yeah. mean, that's just one super practical way yeah. for me. Yeah, that's good. W- without having to dig into the why I'm not doing it. Sure. That's pr- probably what I'm harder. really avoiding. Yeah. Um, I know for me, um, I tend to be all over the map and want to do like the next cool, big thing, fun mm-hmm. thing. Um, type seven, Enneagram, there you go. Um, but what I have, and this is, I'm really thankful. Um, and I can't remember exactly when I started doing it, but I started using basically a schedule to block out my hours and my time. And the more, um, I've pressed into it, I've found that what you value, you schedule and what you schedule, you value. Mm -hmm. And so like literally put in your schedule recovery time, Mm -hmm. like literally put on Tuesdays from three to four recovery work seven pillars, betrayal and beyond, unraveled, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. and put it in there. Because when you look at your calendar in the morning, you're like, oh yeah, I've got mm-hmm. work that I can do at this point. But just saying, well, I'll get to it when I have time this you know, this evening, or I am going to wake up tomorrow at five when you've never woken up at five in your life. <laughs> like, If you schedule it, it becomes something that's more concrete and you can plan for it. Uh, and so for me, that's just been a practical thing is actually yeah. schedule, put on your calendar recovery work. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I was totally agree with that. And the other thing I've seen be successful for people, some of this is knowing your personality. And if, mm. if you're the kind that you need to get into it and have enough time and space to really think you might yep. need to schedule one larger block of time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I know for other people, they, they start to get overwhelmed. They can yeah. only do so much. And for them, they have found a lot of success in maybe having 15 minutes a day that yeah. they, and, and that can help. Like if, if you're a procrastinator, like I can be on big projects to break it into small doable totally. steps that if you know, okay, I'm open to my workbook and mm-hmm. I only have to do this for 15 minutes <laughs> and then I can move on. Right. Well, you'd actually be surprised with that focus, how much progress you make in 15 minutes. Yeah. And if you did that every day for five right. days, you'd be like, whoa, I'm, I'm totally done. And I, it didn't have to disrupt my whole life. Yeah. So I think it's knowing what works for you. And yeah. if you're more of a boy, once I get started, I need time to finish it. Right. Great. Make it a two hour block that you've yeah. got somewhere in your week. But if you're a, I need to break it into chunks so I don't get yeah. overwhelmed, then yeah. just plan that way and maybe do it 
15 minutes each night before bed or on your lunch mm -hmm. break or in the morning. Those kind of things um, make a big difference. Yeah. Nick, how many groups do you think you've led? Oh, Carry the two. 15, <laughs> somewhere in that neighborhood. <laughs> okay. So when you have a member who's struggling, how do you come alongside and encourage them when they're not doing their homework? Uh, I, I think but that's probably never happened in your group because you get, probably have high performers, high achievers. Oh, <laughs> no, it happens in every group. Oh, I think okay. yeah. maybe that's the first step is not take it personally <laughs> um, and don't good. take ownership for their recovery. Like don't try to do it for them. Uh -huh. But I, I think it's an area where we do have to practice some mm -hmm. what we might call tough love mm -hmm. of enforcing the group guideline to say, if you haven't done the homework, you don't yeah. share. Mm -hmm. And so I'll try to say to a guy like, hey, you know, we're so glad you're here. Um, we really invite, I invite you to participate in the commitment to change at the end, because that's something we've always allowed guys to do at the end of a group. Um, but said, I'd, I'd really like you while other guys share just to sit and listen and, um, understand that because you didn't do your work, you don't get to share. And while that might feel a little harsh in the moment, it mm -hmm. underscores for the whole group, not even that person, just for the whole group, like, oh, our homework is important and we don't get to come and just, you know, yeah. shoot the breeze and kind of act like we did it. And, and then I find it puts people into that helpful routine because they know if, if I don't write, I don't share and I'd mm -hmm. like to participate. So I'd better write. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, and we talk about this all the time on this podcast and all, all our material is you have to lead the way. Like mm -hmm. you first have to be the one who's doing the work. And I think that that really does go a long way. Um, I don't think that that's like the one inspirational thing that's going to push your group members to do finally do the work if they're not. But to know that you're consistently doing it and being the one to share and and even if you struggle doing your own work as the leader, being honest and saying, guys, I didn't I didn't do most of the work this week or I didn't do a piece of the work, so I'm not going to share here. Mm -hmm. And then just taking a step back, allowing guys to keep pushing forward uh, with the group meeting. But yeah, I think that's really the first one. And then um, for me, because of how important other people's answers are to my recovery, I would communicate that to the group. Understand, guys, that your answers also help me and help other group mm, members here. Yeah. And so that can be done one-on-one, -on -one. that can be done in the group, depending mm -hmm. on really the, the culture or the atmosphere in your group, whether it's really early on or maybe later in the group. But I think that communicating that um, to each individual group member at some level, in some context is important. Yeah, and, and I think the one thing that you can do is actually ask them, is there something I can do hmm. to help? What a novel idea. I know. <laughs> right? Don't ever expect an answer because most of the time sure, they're like, yeah. I don't know. But occasionally you'll get a guy like say like, I really get hung up on doing a faster scale. So I spend yeah. all my time doing that and then I'm burnt out and like, all right, well, let's talk, maybe talk through the faster scale differently. Yeah. So you, yeah. you get a better handle on it. You're not overwhelmed, things like that. Yep. Um, or I don't, I don't feel like I have time uh, when my family's around and they're always around. So how do I yeah. navigate? making time or space to do it so yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. who well, knows it's uh, you never know what the real reasons yeah. are because in my mind i'm like because you are in relapse yeah and don't want to face <laughs> yeah. it you're a terrible person yeah. <laughs> like couldn't right. be you're farther from the truth right you know they're like desperately trying but they're just something they don't know how to navigate right. it yet yep. yeah well and that's one of the challenging situations that we find is when a man or woman um, is in group and their spouse maybe doesn't know mm -hmm. what group they're in or what, you know, they haven't quite got to a point <laughs> yeah. of disclosure. There's not a lot of truth in there and they're getting there. And it's, so it's good they're in group, but they're kind of feeling like they have to hide their workbook. So yeah. even in yep. the secrecy, you know, coming out of secrecy, they feel like they're keeping secrets. Yep. And that may be an area where 
if you realize that's happening, like you can't even do your work because your book's in your truck and you don't want to take it out of there because then your wife might see it. And there comes a point, and I'm not talking full disclosure. I'm not trying to get the whole story out there, but, (laughs) but getting honest with this piece to say, you know, I'm, this is an area I want to do better and I'm learning and I'm in this group and it's, it's going to be something I'm going to tell you a whole lot more about, um, when the timing is right but I don't want to hide from you that I'm getting help um, yeah. because that, that's just a situation that I have found mm-hmm. is not sustainable, that if someone goes very long where the other spouse doesn't even know they're in the group, it's, it's either going to lead to a big blow up yep. or they just quit coming to group because that tension, yeah. you can make it work for maybe the first few weeks, but yeah. there comes a point like you've got to own it and, yep. and face that conversation at home. So if that's part of your reason, again, that's not easy. That's not fun. But mm-hmm. so many of us could say, it's part of the good work you need to do to start facing it and owning it and yeah. cracking open that door so that you could have the workbook in your house or your study um, yeah. and not feel like you've got to hide even the work you're doing. That, that would be an important thing to face. Yeah. Okay, so what we've been doing with these episodes is really taking all three basically perspectives. If you're the person who is struggling in this area, if you're the leader of the group with someone in your group struggling with this, or if you're just a regular group member. Mm -hmm. So that's the perspective on this question. If we're just, we're not the leader, we're not the one necessarily struggling with not doing the work. Mm -hmm. How do we encourage or come alongside those other group members who are struggling with the work? Yeah, and when I hear that, you know, first thing is, why are you, you know, you're here for a reason. Mm-hmm. Just be present and do your homework. And that is often just the most encouraging thing. We, I think we've all touched on it. Yeah. Hearing someone else and knowing them fully or as fully as you can yeah. um, at the time creates such a bond. It creates mm-hmm. such a camaraderie that that encouragement has, has pulled men through Getting out of their getting out of their own way and, and sharing. So yeah. just be present and do your own thing. Pursue your own healing, and it it's often the catalyst to, for others. I know for um, marriages, I hear it all the time. I uh, a guy will come into group, and his wife has been in there for a while. He decided he didn't really need group, but watching her heal, he's all of a sudden is like, oh, I got to do something. Right. So we can do that for others. Yeah. Just in group. Yeah, I think back to my you know running story when I first started really getting into running and was going to train for my first marathon. One of the first things I did was meet with a guy that was at the college I was at, and I, I knew he'd run like ten of them. And I just started asking questions, you know, like how do you train, and what about mm-hmm. this, and how about and and it, as I look back, it occurred to me there was so much that I didn't know I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if if I'd have just gone out like, well, I'm just going to run more, and then I'll jump into a marathon, like <laughs> it would have probably been a real disaster. But we probably he wouldn't helped, have you with us. Yeah, today. he helped me develop a plan yeah. and an approach. <laughs> and so I, I tell that story because if if you're in group and it's your second time through, or your third, or you know, however many, you probably know more than you realize. And mm-hmm. usually the person really struggling to do their work is early in recovery or they're just they're not getting traction and so they're mm-hmm. frustrated. And if if there's a way you can come alongside of them just to say, hey, would it you know would it help if once a week we had a phone call just to kind of talk through the lesson and what the questions mean and how I've answered them. And um, I think a lot of people would be like, oh man, that would be super mm-hmm. helpful. Cause mm-hmm. I just I get stuck. I read the question. I don't even know what it means. And right. I just, I go blank. And mm-hmm. uh, so if you could be the mentor or if, if you're the one struggling, you know, being willing to ask, you know, would you help me? Would I'm getting stuck. And I think if I had a mentor who's been th- down this road yeah. that I could ask midweek, 
I could make some progress. So mm-hmm. that that could be kind of the the thing I would look for is how can we be part of the solution rather than just sitting there and waiting for good old Joe to get his act together because mm-hmm. he's never doing his homework. Joe to say how how back to your question the novel idea of how can I help mm-hmm. and if I can I'd love to be a part of encouraging you. Uh, I just feel like kind of on the spot. I feel like I'm thinking about a betrayed spouse, specifically um, a woman who's in a betrayal and beyond group. Mm-hmm. I think that, um, and I've seen this play out in relationships, even in church or in community groups, that um, there is this culture in church where you you should be protecting the reputation of your spouse. And I think that that's something a lot of Christian women struggle with, at least on the front end of getting into a betrayal and beyond group, that you're starting to process through the trauma you've been experiencing from your spouse's struggle. And it feels almost like counterculture of what we've been taught. It's like, no, no, I'm supposed to protect mm-hmm. and like, you know, forgive. And, and, I, and we hear stories, we hear those stories all the time. And I think that there's also this element where if you're not sharing in group, or if, if you're the group member who sees another person not sharing in group, specifically, let's take this example of a betrayed wife in a B&B group, to share to that other wife to say, hey, when you don't share or when you're protecting, quote unquote, your husband, it actually makes me feel like you're not a safe person to share this with mm-hmm. because my life is not all together. Obviously, right. that's why I'm here, mm-hmm. Right. Like my marriage is is in a place that really needs some work. And when you're not sharing, I don't feel like it's safe for me to be honest. I don't feel like it's safe for me to share. Like it feels like you're better than me and I struggle with that. And I don't think that you should just dump all this out in the middle of group, but having a one-on-one conversation to say, I want you to know that when people share about what's going on, it makes them more approachable. There's like this built-in trust mm-hmm. and and to use the word that we use often, intimacy. There's an intimacy to knowing each other that then helps create a culture and a foundation of growth for everyone in the group. So I think that there can be this like, hey, I really need you to share and be honest because it actually helps me press into recovery more and press into my own healing. Right? Yeah, and we're obviously we're not there to bash our spouse or no. throw them under the bus mm-hmm. or make them the, the cause of all our problems. Yep. I, the way I would say it is we are there to face reality. Yep. And if someone isn't sharing or doing their work, they may not be facing reality. And mm-hmm. so how can we just encourage them, hey, we're we're not asking you to get into detail about your spouse or we're not looking right. for you to blame them or bash mm-hmm. them over the head because it's all about them. We're, we just want to help face reality. Mm-hmm. And if we don't name it and speak it, it's really hard for us to face that reality because then we're still kind of facing it alone. Yep. Mm-hmm. That we only share a few generic answers, but the reality that's really eating us alive, no one knows, but we're not going to get help. So we've got to be willing to face it. And that's what you're talking about is if, if someone's not facing their reality, I don't feel super comfortable facing mm-hmm. mine. So mm-hmm. inviting one another into that is, is um, I agree, really important. Yep. Yeah. It's like growing up when uh, you, and this is because I'm the oldest child, is that there were things I had to do when I was a certain age or couldn't do when I was a certain age mm-hmm. that my youngest brother got to do like four or five years earlier than I did. Yeah. And there's this like, hold on, this isn't fair. Like, <laughs> why, you know, and there's that dynamic at play in group yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, this has been really good stuff. Hopefully an encouragement. If someone is a slacker, we're, we're not trying to tell you just to try harder. Mm. We're trying to give you some tips and ideas yeah. to, to find that motivation, to find what's that purpose? What's the bigger reason I'm here that could compel me into doing my work regularly? Yeah. So as we look to wrap up here, any final tips on getting the work done and mm-hmm. being a good contributing member to a group? Uh, I think you go right back to what you talked about right off the bat, which is move away from uh, making it a performance. Homework isn't about a grade. Yeah. 
And that's so important. It's, it is simply to help us understand what we believe mm-hmm. and what, what our beliefs uh, make us do or yeah. encourage us to mm-hmm. do. So, yeah. no, it's our, our mindset to how we think about homework mm-hmm. will change everything. Yeah. yeah, Yeah, that's good. I've heard you say it a lot, Nick, that like if this doesn't become a top level or top shelf priority, then mm-hmm. it won't work. Yeah. You, it, it won't happen. And I think that that's it. You have to make it a priority. And yeah. I, I mean, I was having conversations uh, with someone today, this morning, like when you jump into group, there is a level of sacrifice mm-hmm. to like to say yes to something means you're saying no to a bunch of other things. And that's just a, a rule of life. Like that happens. Sure. So if you're going to do this and you're going to press into it, there are going to be things that you have to say no to for a season. Mm-hmm. There may even, I know, watch out, be something you have to say no to for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. But guess what? If you're healthy for the rest of your life, like that is worth the sacrifice. Way yeah. to go. High five. Mm-hmm. We are now at a different place. And so I think that this has to be a priority. And and I would even say this, this needs to become a regular part, regular pattern in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The thing I would say, and this might sound simple, but I think it's it's very, very profound for people is that if you're working on the the lesson for that week, if it comes to mind, write it down. Mm-hmm. If it comes into your mind, write it down. Yeah. Because we have to recognize that all of us are battling an internal dialogue mm-hmm. that will tell us, well, that's yeah. a dumb answer, or that's mm-hmm. stupid, or that that didn't mean yeah. anything, or you know, that's every not, answer I write down, that's not, it, or maybe we get caught up in. I'm trying to look for like that one golden key for why I struggle. I'm sure it's not those right. things, right? Totally. But realize you've been stuck in those patterns because you are blind to them because yeah. you yeah. can't see. And yeah. so, like the ten worst moments exercise is a great example of that I find almost universally people have stories come to mind that they dismiss initially oh well, that's not one of them right if it comes to mind write it down well, i got kicked out of class in the seventh grade for this yeah. and that it wasn't even my fault and you're like well write it down and then the, <laughs> and I've, I've done this so many times even like my faster scale like well this is the words that came to mind so i wrote them down and then a day or two later when i share it at group it's it's amazing how the relevance of it mm-hmm. suddenly connects or totally when yeah. i say it out loud in the group I, I see something I didn't see when I wrote it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I just, I think there's something there. So when you're doing your work, if it comes to mind, write it, don't get into this yeah, huge self-analysis of everything right. you write down because then you're just back into performance mm-hmm. mode of, yep. oh, well, this doesn't sound like a very good story. I think I'll write something yep. different. A lot of times the real stories are there and your brain or your soul yeah. is trying to tell you. But if, if you keep, you know, listening to that's that good. mess, well, that's not a very good answer. You won't write it down. Yeah. So it's good. If it comes to mind, write it down. And actually, yep. that'll make your homework a lot faster because you don't sit there and analyze for two hours. You're just like, well, this is what came to mind. Here it is. And mm-hmm. I think you'll see some really good results come of that. Yep. Yeah. So we value here at Pure Desire creating the safest, most effective and life-changing group experience that we can. And what we see is that identifying tendencies or patterns like these four that we've talked about over these last four weeks can really hinder that experience from happening. And uh, if we do a really good job of pressing in and making sure that these things are not a part of our group, it really is going to ensure that everyone feels comfortable coming to group and can lean into their healing. So, uh, guys, this is a great conversation. Dan, thanks for joining us, man. Appreciate it. Slackers unite. Yeah, baby, that's right. We got this. Wherever you're at on your journey, Pure Desire is here to help create a roadmap for your healing. If you or someone you know is looking for help, you can go to our website, puredesire.org, and start your healing journey. And if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, do it. It's free forever. Write a review, help others find the podcast. And lastly, never stop being healthy.
Here's what's coming up next week on the Pure Desire podcast. Every woman that takes a breath. This is going to be one of our best resources that we've ever put out. They're wanting to be married. They're wanting to be sexual. And they're saying, what does this even look like? Is it even okay to have these discussions? I think that's one of the things that's interesting about women who struggle is that we don't take good care of ourselves. Right. We we are the last person and sometimes we are taking care of everybody else, but we're the last person that we take care of. And that I think is my favorite part about these resources.